Welcome to episode 30 of Monstrology and this year's Christmas holiday bonanza special. I wish I I wish I had jingle bell sounds. I can right edit, now, like just as you started talking. In. I know, Listen just as you them. started talking, I was Beautiful. like, we need like that like we need that in the background. Oh yeah. Oh, you best believe that the Christmas alternate music is back and will be Yay. here for the transitions. Yeah. Um, well. You know, last year it was a very uh, special Christmas for me because mm-hmm. uh, we met Krampus. And, you know, as as it goes, you you sometimes you can't top things in the same way. There is no other Krampus. There's other things, but no. there's only one Krampus for me. So we are. Well, and also, you know, he's become a he's become a good friend of the podcast. Right. You exactly. know, he came for our anniversary special. Mm-hmm. He befriended some other monsters. Yeah, That's he's right. A good guy. Yeah. He was just here for Halloween. So, yeah. uh, you know, there are some some content that goes back and forth between Halloween and Christmas, but uh, Krampus isn't it. Um, so today we are doing something very special on the podcast. We're going to be doing the 12 films of Christmas. Now, this is a brand new format that hasn't existed before. It's kind of creature featurey, as this is uh, time for a creature feature. We've been doing them every five episodes. Um but essentially, uh, Madrid and I are going to be doing a draft because Madrid's <laughs> super into sports and totally. Drafts. Well, you know, World Cup just ended, That's and right. our our monster draft for Halloween was actually so much fun mm-hmm. to watch everybody vote for their favorite creature, their monster mm-hmm. every round. It, it that was a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, don't That's mess true. with a good thing, right? That's true. <laughs> Yeah, bringing back drafts for one day only. Yeah, one day only draft. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the way that this works is uh, Madra and I are going to go through 12 films that we recommend that everyone listens to this Christmas season. Um, There are some criteria for the movies uh, that we have picked. The first is that they have to feature a monster, some sort of monster in some sort of form. That can be live action. It could have been animated. Uh, But for me, when it comes to the monster, I'm looking for kind of distinct creature design. I looked for for movies that have nice, strong monsters um, that we could choose from and that obviously uh, have some sort of a Christmas component. The, The second thing of the criteria that I had is that it had some sort of Original storytelling um, is is a good thing that I look for in a movie. I think many of these movies contain that. And uh, the last part of my criteria for this uh, Christmas uh, Creechy top 12 is whimsy. I was looking oh. for whimsy. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to... Uh, I, I, I was not given the whimsy note. Sorry, oh, everyone. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It just, you know, when it, when it comes to... But I think movie... by their very nature of them being holiday monsters, there is exactly. a, a sense of whimsy to because, most of my picks. Look, yes. I, I think that's that's kind of what makes a Christmas movie is it's got to have that little bit of whimsy. Even the scary ones have a little bit of uh, whimsy sometimes or a little bit of comedy. Um, so that's just the three things that I'm going to be kind of looking at uh, when we go on a movie by movie basis, just for myself and in Madrin, uh, maybe we'll kind of tick some of those boxes as well. Uh, we also have one special criteria. We each get one uh, kind of psycho human horror flick, <laughs> which, which is just like um, there are so many great Christmas slasher horror movies 
that don't feature a monster. But if we've learned anything from our Halloween bracket, it's that humans are included in the criteria of what a monster is, um, even if they lose to poltergeists uh, sometimes as they did in our Halloween bracket. But anyway, we each have one kind of uh, allowance where the monster can be a human and not, uh, you know, something else. Um, all right. Madrin, any other criteria that you want us to look for when we're digging into a good Christmas movie? Is there anything that you look for that that really helps them stand out from the pack? Uh, well, you know, I... Uh, I kind of advocated for this in our last episode is that I'm I'm really looking to make Christmas creepy again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I am all about that Victorian obsessed with like death and the afterlife and making things like a little weird and Ooh. dark. And yeah, I, that's that, that informs my Christmases. <laughs> mm, all right. Well, I think uh, that uh, we'll be well set up, I think, to dig into some of these movies uh, without further ado, I'm just going to kick into our theme song for this, The 12 Films of Christmas. everybody we are back from the break and i am holding the most canadian money that i could uh find <laughs> which is a toonie is it a, uh, oh it's a toonie i was gonna say is it a loonie no it's a oh i guess yeah a toonie to me seems even a more toonie. Canadian than a loonie but maybe you're right maybe a loonie would be even more canadian anyway the point is our currency is nonsense um <laughs> and uh uh the way that this draft is going to work is that we're gonna come right out of the gate with our picks Madra and I cannot repeat each other's picks. They have to be uh, separate. There's definitely going to be some overlap, I think, in terms of what we selected. Uh, but in true fairness, um, I'm going to say, Madrin, uh, I won't do the old heads I win, tails you lose trick. Uh, you can, you can <laughs> I get to call it? Okay. You want to do heads or tails? Uh, heads. Heads. Woohoo! Okay. So Madrin, you get to pick first you get the first pick in the draft and okay. that means i get the last pick in the draft which is also exciting uh so i'll get to complete our 12 films um i have a guess as to what your first bullet in the barrel is uh for the top 12 of christmas uh films of christmas but uh let's find <laughs> out what you got you know what i think i am going to I think I know what you think I'm going to say, and maybe I'm going to hold off for now. Yeah, but then uh, what and... happens if I steal it, and then it goes into oh. my picks? All right, all right, you're right. You know what? Then <laughs> is, I mean, I look. I'll take it. I uh, no, but that's that's, no. that's okay. It's a good. They go into my team if I get them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. Now, I, oh, you're making me suck. I guess myself. Okay, okay. So then, with that, my first pick is Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, cool. So you pick that as your 
Yes. That's your film. And you specifically yes. love Oogie Boogie in that film. Well, I was thinking, well, generally that whole film is populated by monsters. That's the mm-hmm. whole populace of Halloween Town. So who is the monsteriest monster of mm-hmm. Halloween Town? Oh, it's Oogie Boogie, right? He's mm-hmm. our villain. Arguably, Jack gets a little villainous. But, you know, Oogie mm-hmm. is very de- definitively, he tries to kill Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. What kind of, you know, I don't think he gets more <laughs> villainy than that. Well, Jack does basically task Lockstock and Barrel with kidnapping Santa Claus. He asks Lockstock and Barrel to get Santa Claus, but to keep Oogie out of it. He That's tells true. them to I make guess... Santa comfortable. And it's simply because Jack wants to take over Halloween or Christmas for the night. Mm-hmm. It's not that he wants Santa dead. And I guess Oogie wants Santa when, dead. When Jack accidentally uh kidnaps the easter bunny he's also very apologetic yes <laughs> yeah, yes he like, calls oh, him so sir sorry. yes <laughs> they put him back in the sack and um send him off yeah oogie boogie oh. is definitely the most monstrous monster um there i really like the like design and the idea of oogie boogie i mean it, we we've met um some boogie men on the show before and he definitely embodies that kind of scary thing that you can't quite see and is made up of kind of your your fear of what it is. Um, well, and but- he lives he lives in a lair under mm-hmm. underground, you know, That's the, like the first couple of times themed. <laughs> yeah. And the first couple of times you see him, it's just with a lot or you don't even really see him. You hear him, you know, it's a shadow. The good thing goes, whoa, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, really sets up that ominousness. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think I I was um, re-watching this today. I watched a few films today. And um, I, I, there's a couple of things that just stood out to me. One, I hadn't really thought about how Sally is kind of like very like Rapunzel, like trapped in her tower and not allowed to leave. Yes. And attempting to, I mean, in this case, uh, poison repeatedly her captor, which is a little bit different. Um, but I hadn't really thought about that like storybook element for her. Um and I just, when I think of that movie, the thing that I think about, there's, yeah, definitely a distinct visual style, but it's the music. Like the music is really the feature that sells so many of of Tim Burton's um, films in that kind of like collaboration with um, Danny Elfman. But the music is amazing. Like it's really Absolutely. good. And, and all like all of the songs are good. It isn't yes. one where there's just like one good song and the rest are kind of thrown together. It's kind of amazing how good that is from start to finish to the point that like I watched on Disney Plus and I didn't watch this version, but there's just a sing along version you can watch now where <laughs> yeah. you just sing along to the entire movie, which I'm sure children do. Um, which oh, I do of... it. I do it all the time. Yeah, we put yeah. it. We we are what we do at my house for Halloween is we set up Nightmare Before Christmas on our TV in our living room and we play it as we're handing out treats to the trick-or-treaters Ooh, on Halloween. Nice. So like there's my husband at the door and I'm I'm in the living room singing along mm-hmm. <laughs> to Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I also loved the like the sequence. There's a lot of great sequences, but there's one um it's just kind of cool with the claymation of Jack jumping from house to house and dropping like toys down the chimney. And you can hear like uh, you. Oh, and the lights the, turn on. And as the, the lights turn scream. on, and the yeah. children scream, and they do a couple like inserts into the house of them panicking. But like, it reminds me of those little. Um, did you ever have those Christmas sets where they like light up? Uh, there's little lights mm-hmm. inside them. I remember having a set of that, and it's just like that 
image with the scary Halloween version, I thought was really uh, kind of sweet in a way, even though it was a scary thing. So it was a cool juxtaposition, I guess is what I'm saying. It's like a, a sweet Christmas image with a scary Halloween like monsters in a box, which was great. My um, favorite image from that movie is after Jack gets shot down and he crash lands in the graveyard and he perfectly lands in the arms of an angel statue. <laughs> yes. And yeah. then he is draped in the arms and he, you know, and he's bemoaning his his fate and you know that and but that's when he has that like epiphany of no, I should never have take tried to take over Christmas. I am the pumpkin king. Mm -hmm. I nice oh I gotta fix this, you know. Repeated... So he has this like epiphany. Uh -huh. There's a cool repeated image of him standing in front of the moon on that little uh, mm -hmm. cliff too that starts a Halloween version and then ends with Sally. With the and, Christmas and, version and, and everything's covered and, in snow. And, and ice and snow, yeah. yeah. And it has a nice kind of like arc, I think, to that. Yeah. They don't repeat, I think, many. I think it's probably the only thing that gets kind of like subverted in that way. Ooh, one more, last thing that I loved about this movie too that I just hadn't thought about when I was rewatching it is that little area where they come to like the clearing where there's the different trees that lead to the worlds of different holidays. Like, you know, the Thanksgiving has like a turkey. There's a Christmas one, an Easter one. I think there's six, if I remember correctly, but um, it reminds- Oh yeah, there's the St. Patrick's Day one. St. Patrick's Day, yes. Yep. <laughs> there's a little clover. Um but it reminded me of that episode of Community where there's all the different timelines, the like chaos theory. And I was like, yeah. how how is Disney Plus being the giant conglomerate that they are not created six versions of this right. already? Yeah, right. They and could I'm, not, have made... I'm not really encouraging them to do it, but it feels like there's a darkest timeline version of this where instead of Christmas, they go to like Thanksgiving town. It's just like a bunch of pilgrims with turkeys and... <laughs> You know, like I, I or like, can you imagine drunk Jack in Chicago on St. Patrick's Day? See, I would like... love that. I would be into that. This way, I think it's a matter of time. Oh. Um, I'm available. I can I can pitch that if anybody needs uh, right, a little treatment right. uh, for that. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting to imagine all of the different storylines that are still kind of left open by those doors being there because the movie really only goes the one way. I think it's cool that they have the ability to kind of go back and forth. It does open up all of those possibilities. Yeah, there are a lot of like what ifs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Shall I do my first? All pick? right. Let's what's your pick? Drum roll, please. Are you inserting the drums? Or are you doing yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll see if it made it through the noise canceling. I don't know if the noise canceling will. I don't think so. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll include You can put drums. it in in post. Yeah. Uh, my number one pick, which should be no surprise because I'm pretty sure last Christmas we both talked about our favorite uh, Christmas movies, is uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Nice, which, yes! Uh, I guess it's another sing-along movie. Hilarious because I don't really like musicals very much, and yet here we are. <laughs> um, it's just my. It's just so good. It, it features uh, several ghosts, three ghosts, ghosts of um, past, present, and future. Five ghosts! And I would argue... Which other ghosts are you talking about? Past, uh, Jacob and Robert oh, Marley. Yeah. There's the Marleys. I think of them as being of the Muppets, I guess. And then, yes, but they also... are ghosts. For sure, you're right. But I'm thinking of the three kind of ghosts um, that yes. aren't within like the Muppet characters. And then 
obviously gonzo i don't know what the uh, fuck, I know. Know, who knows what the fuck gonzo is <laughs> no one even knows well actually <laughs> i was like even is... even without the ghosts i think muppets qualifies because a muppet has to be a lot of them are just monsters they don't make any yes. you know sense even though they're puppets they they are <laughs> their own little thing yeah um, my favorite muppet is deadly who is again questionable like you don't really know <laughs> what he is <laughs> uh-huh. um yeah i mean I think the strength of this is just the the casting is so good. Like the the casting of who the Muppets are is great. Mm-hmm. Um, like Kermit playing Bob Cratchit, um, uh, Gonzo well, being it's just Dickens inspired with Rizzo. that Fozzie plays Fozzie with. Yes, come on. And and Michael Caine is so good. Oh man, Michael he Caine goes is phenomenal. All out. He, he is, is one of the, the best. best. Yeah, one yes, of the I, best Scrooges that has I, ever been depicted. Absolutely. In my mind, the best. I, I don't have another Scrooge that... that I look, There's been some great Scrooges throughout. Alistair Sim was great. Patrick Stewart, great. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. For me, there is no better Ebenezer Scrooge than mm-hmm. Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Bill Murray and Scrooged. There, we, yeah, we see, I even... I like Scrooge. We could but, have done a top five just of... We could have done top five screw, uh, yeah, Christmas, Christmas carols. carols. Yeah. I was thinking about that when I was going through the list. I was like, oh. All right, well, let's is... let's remember this for next year. Yes, well, this is the best one. Um, right, if you haven't uh, seen it before, you learn a lot of important lessons, like never eat singing fruits, I think is very important. Uh, you know. Uh, Rats so... can squeeze through bars. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's very useful. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, don't be a jerk because people don't like you for that reason. <laughs> don't be a greedy, uh, greedy old man. Uh, yeah, and uh, definitely, I have to like of the of the ghosts. Mm-hmm. The ghost of Christmas is yet to come. Always scares the crap yes. out of me. Like, and-, it, and it does not matter which adaptation. It actually, uh, you know, which adaptation terrified me the most as a child. And you're gonna laugh at me. The Mickey Mouse version. Oh, really? <laughs> Why it, the the ghost of Christmas is? I think it was just because I was maybe perhaps I was too young, mm-hmm. to, because of course my parents are like it's Mickey Mouse. Like why wouldn't my child be able to watch this? But then the ghost of Christmas is yet to come is played by Bluto, who mm-hmm. was always the villain in these Mickey Mouse things, right? And it was just like it's the they 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 animate like an open grave, and it's got his name like Donald. Or Scrooge, it's Scrooge McDuck, or, you know, but it's just like it, that one scared me the most. But yeah, the one in um in the Muppet Christmas Carol is really scary. Yeah, I, I actually think when I was a kid, the scariest for me wasn't um, Christmas Yet to Come. It was uh, Christmas Past because the CG of that little like floating girl is so <laughs> like, um, I don't know, just ghostly and doesn't fit in with the rest of the movie. Like it is kind of haunting in like a China doll kind of sense. Like it's too, uh, like, as you were saying, like kind of gothic, that scary Mm -hmm. um, kind of world. It doesn't fit in with the rest of the movie. And those moments really stick out because the ghost of present is this big, you know, big jovial, very, and very Muppety Muppety Muppet. Yeah. Yeah. Who's in the present so much that he can't like speak properly. But but um, yeah, Ghost of Christmas Past is just kind of like haunting, and you're like, whoa, this is going to be a different kind of movie. Um, it's interesting then- that you said that too, because I, I of course I am absolutely obsessed with this movie. So every year I read about the history of it. Mm-hmm. So um, 
you're right in that they had to create a whole new kind of puppet that really that Muppet team had not wasn't really used to working with at mm -hmm. that point. And to get that really a feel ethereal floating look to her, they actually had to to suspend her in this like gelatinous water. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And so what they did was like they ended up putting basically the puppeteer and the puppet in this water tank. Uh-huh. And filmed all of that, and then they had to impose it back in cool. later. Yeah, it is the quality. Yeah. Like, it's just this floating, it, it's it's unsettling. Very delicate, but like almost, yeah, and like you you, you need to be very gentle. You feel like mm -hmm. you need to be very gentle with her because like she's so tissuey at some points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, then and it also it's also creepy, too, to hear this very young child be so wise yes. about things you know? and just kind of ominous so yes. um yeah but even just the so this is going back to ghost of yet to come the the like wall of fog that comes mm -hmm. in too there's just in the graveyard where suddenly you go from seeing everything to just seeing a cloud and then they do a great transition which is like very common but it just works really well because they're going through time of like a kind of spiral transition so they mm -hmm. like the all the fog in the background does that kind of spiraling I don't know fade but they walk through it and then it unfades in there in front of the tombstone but at the time i felt like that was very effective and probably difficult to do like i don't know um how how they kind of did that type of magic now it's like okay there's probably you know an iMovie effect <laughs> but at the time it's like that you know we hadn't seen a lot of that um so i thought it was really effective but anyway yeah, i love that movie i have such a soft spot uh for the muppets and I love watching the Muppets do weird stories because I, I just uh, like I love... seeing Well, that's the best thing about the, the Muppets, Muppets, right? Is that they're always just so eccentric and subversive, yeah. but never, never in a malevolent, nasty kind of way. They're just being, they're just weird. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's endearing. Yeah. You know? It yeah. just, I don't know. It's, it's just exciting to see the Muppets like playing different characters. I guess that's just like an actor thing that it's like, oh, how would that actor like? I just like to see oh, how would like Rizzo be that little rat guy or whatever? But you see them in different um, versions or even like Miss Piggy, like taking it out on Ebenezer Scrooge. What? Because like the whole movie, she's like complaining about the mistreatment. He finally comes and and she like chews him out. And then they have basically Scrooge just lets like 50 people into their homes so that they can <laughs> eat a turkey dinner, which I don't know how they cook it so quickly. It goes from raw to cooked in like I always wondered that too, minutes. right? Like he Scrooge has the giant goose that is bigger than that kid who delivers it. Yeah. And like I I cook a turkey dinner for Thanksgiving for just my husband mm -hmm. and me. And so it's like the smallest turkey possible. And like mm -hmm. for an just a teeny like eight pound turkey, that takes about four hours to cook. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how this I like, like how that's 50 the pound biggest, goose. The biggest the biggest that's the biggest thing error. that we're like, that can't happen. Yeah, for, biggest ghosts. Bumble. Sure. Yeah. Ghosts, absolutely hundred percent. Time travel, why not? Cooking a yeah. goose in an hour? Never. Yeah. Two of your old business parties partners shaking their chains and like running around <laughs> above your heads. Uh fine. <laughs> Did I tell you though that um because the Muppet Christmas Carol is the one that I always watched every single year as a kid. It was not until I'm embarrassed to say it was not until Christmas of 2019 mm -hmm. when I was well into my mid 30s and I was in a production of A Christmas Carol, got to rehearsal. And it was only then that I discover that there actually isn't a second Marley brother 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I even knew that. I've just, I I, no it's just the Muppets is is canon in my brain. It's, that's you know exactly what? it. Like Quite in frankly, my mind, that's probably the way that I imagine Treasure Island. Also, <laughs> I, I you know, I just it's imagine Tim Curry that, is Blackbeard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, right. it was like I was well and firmly an adult before someone was like, um, "No, there's only just Jacob Marley." And it was like, wow. "What? Go away!" <laughs> uh yeah but but do they transform into a doorknob in in the real version and have little well? singing lock boxes i don't think so i don't think so i prefer this one you know and i think uh, I, the last thing i'll say is just i think the reason michael kane is so good is he's so sincere that it holds yes. it all together which is such a great thing with puppetry right like when you're working with puppets as an actor you have to kind of buy into that world and the like the way he treats it dramatically allows the rest of the rest of the Muppets to be crazy. Like he's he's yeah. uh he's Jason Bateman in Arrested Development. You need the one like straight character to hold this insanity together. And without um Michael Caine, I don't think that movie would work. Um and he clearly like really enjoyed himself, but I think he just grounds the whole thing so well. Um Yeah, I think you're right. If he didn't buy into the world with a hundred percent conviction, then the the premise of you know singing rat bookkeepers it, it falls apart. To like gothic yeah. drama, even like you know totally. he takes he takes a little red scarf and just puts it on his shoulders, but he's not suddenly in like puppet land, right? Like he's still right. they're all in Michael Caine's world, not the other way around, which yeah. I think is is yeah. really effective. I think you nailed it. Yeah. All right. Well, imagine we're off to a good start. Okay, we've each got right? our we're first We're definitely round. keeping Christmas creepy. Yes, and and so far full of song. Uh, yes. <laughs> for your for your number two pick, uh, which which movie are you um, going to claim? Uh, you know, I this we seem to be running with a theme here. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing the Grinch. Which one? Oh, oh, gee. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Like the one from when did it come out in in like this the fifties, right? Oh yeah, nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. OG <laughs> with, Christmas. Um, yeah, yeah. OG Christmas with Boris Karloff. Come mm -hmm. on, come on. Mm -hmm. See, and there's you know there's keeping Christmas creepy, right? Boris Karloff is fantastic oh, voice actor. Is, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I was teaching uh, some teenagers about that the other day. They're like, who's Boris Karloff? And I was like, who's Boris Karloff? And I was like, <laughs> he's like the voice of scary movies. Yeah. Like, went through all the Like between him and, and um, Vincent Price, yes. like, man, yeah. they yeah. defined the genre. And yeah. I think too, part of the reason why I'm picking The Grinch here is that, so what did I say? It came out in 1957. So that's what, like, 70 almost 70 years ago 65 years ago mm -hmm. such an iconic character too like it is he is so easily identifiable with that acid green fur mm -hmm. and his weird butternut squash shaped body mm -hmm. and kind of cat-like features too i i think he's very so easily identifiable everybody knows who the grinch is mm-hmm and, and everybody has opinions, you know, and he's also I think he's also just like a little bit lovable, too. Like, clearly the villain. Clearly, you can be like, oh, you're a Grinch. You hate Christmas. But also I really like, mm, kind of like the thing that I love about that original kind of um, film is it's short. Like, it is a shorter special. I think it's maybe half an hour or something. It's it's pretty short. I it's think quite short. I, I think it's definitely under it's, an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And 
and it just feels like it's right out of the book. Like it's a pretty faithful animated style that feels like Dr. Seuss. Um, yes. Like, it, you know, it's not Zack Snyder's shot for shot or whatever, but like, it feels like the world that they created um, was his and, it, and it's uh, clean in the way that it does its storytelling. Um, it, it doesn't draw anything out or it doesn't go down any like kind of side roads with what's going on. It is the story of the Grinch and then it's done. Um, so it's like just a delight from start to finish. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I love the Grinch's uh, relationship with his little dog, Max, mm-hmm. uh, and all of the sequence that they do with the sled and like him like hiding behind and all of that. Um, and I think yeah. that's part of what makes the Grinch so eternally endearing as well too is that like he's not evil he's just Mm -hmm. that very misanthropic super grumpy old man who lives up in the mountain but at least Mm -hmm. you know that he loves his dog max Mm -hmm. it is yes and like it kind of you know it the the character makes sense like it, it kind of grounds it in a way that he's this lonely person who's been exiled and he's got this like dependent dog which he cares about even in his own grumpy way and like the grinch um <laughs> i used to i've used the grinch as an example to teach like screenwriting because he's the oh. exact example of a character um that transforms into the opposite of what it is and it's layered in like their conflict and their identity so he goes from a place of like ignorance of what he needs to know into learning what he like wants to become. So the Grinch being closed off, hates Christmas, hates Christmas, does all of this stuff and then realizes like he loves Christmas and becomes someone different through trying to destroy Christmas. So it's like you can break it down in a really simplistic way, um, but it works very well um, because the storytelling is really good. It's a good book that has a nice, like really great character study um yeah i agree i um I and know, more I'm music trying... right it's yeah. just the one well i Kahu guess Dore? technically there are the yeah there are the two songs in it right there's clearly the grinch theme song you're uh, a mean but one? then yeah yeah mm-hmm. you're a mean one mr grinch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i guess there's really but then just... there's also the song that the song. who's well the the song that the well, who's Dore. yeah when they all well, I like hands. that you just rattled off the title of it. Like, well, duh, of course that's what this song is called. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely watched that a lot. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. Like, that's like something I definitely watched more as a kid, but I watched it probably every year for a while. Um, where they all link hands and go, da hu dore, da dore. Welcome Christmas, Christmas time. Yeah. And, you know, from our perfect rendition of that you know exactly what we're talking about yeah you uh, can hire us for next year's broadway adaptation of and then the and then his um he also finishes the film with a turkey dinner or, or, a, or a christmas <laughs> yeah. goose that is that is That's cooked right. remarkably quickly and is uh is heart grows three sizes um oh, which, which is similar to scrooge his heart also grows by the end of that film yes there's a lot of uh, overlap between those two kind of uh lonely characters learning the value of uh community and friendship um well um i'm gonna go into my number two pick madrin if i may oh you Uh, may i'm gonna go a little um (laughs) off the board here i think oh no into a different kind of uh style of movie this movie is called rare exports um this movie it's a finnish 
fantasy action uh, horror comedy film from oh it's got everything oh you didn't say romance but no there's not that, much no it's more like father well, son you said horror action comedy what fantasy. Was the fantasy fantasy there you go yeah yep 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 it's yep. um it's finnish um so it is kind of it, it opens in english but it's mostly a foreign film and it's this kind of father son there doesn't seem to be any kind of like mom in the picture they have kind of like a fractured relationship um but they live next to this kind of like mountain that people all of a sudden show up and they start blowing it up and they're looking for some sort of like grave buried deep inside the like mountain or whatever it is this site and um suddenly it's like weird things start happening around the house like they they have all of these traps uh for wolves like these big kind of pits that they leave out so that the wolves fall into the pits and they die it's kind of you know whatever but like you know they think oh the wolves are acting weird that's strange and then they like uh go around and they find like hundreds of dead reindeer and it's like whoa what's going on the little boy swears that he sees like something outside his window like a scary you know man or something he puts a bear trap at the bottom of his uh chimney and his dad keeps getting mad at him like what are you doing like stop acting out or whatever his dad's also just a straight up like butcher so he has a scary like bloody butcher shop um in their very secluded um area it's almost like um john carpenter's the thing like they're out in the middle of nowhere just with a couple other people in the snow um but eventually they they have like a human fall into their uh, wolf trap, bear trap or whatever. And they're like, whoa, what? Oh, like they realize they almost basically killed a man. Like, like the, the one the in the house? No, no like so it's not it's not in the house. Like basically they have these pits that are for like killing dangerous animals. They fall into the pit oh, onto okay, these spikes okay. and they die. But the dad is like with the son, they hear a noise or whatever. And he doesn't want the son to see it. But basically he realizes that like a human has fallen into this pit like and is supposed to die and he and he like the sun runs off. anyway he brings him into the butcher shop and they're about to like m- make him disappear because not the sun but like the dad and his i don't know finnish friend uh who also <laughs> is, is dressed is at that point dressed like santa because he works as the local santa and they're gonna like chop him up when they realize he's still alive and basically you realize that like this guy is i don't want to spoil the whole plot but they like they imagine him to be santa like they think that this guy that fell into their pit is santa and he's like just clinging to life and there's a possibility that the thing that they unearthed in this like deep deep pit that they drilled into the earth is also uh basically krampus that they're like all of these like Santas have come together to like try to defrost like Krampus and like release him <laughs> into the world. And it's, it's, it's this wild thing of like, it's pretty graphic. Like some of the images are like the fight sequence, but like the, the boy who's wearing like a little um, Jofa hockey helmet, which are like the old kind of style where they wore with the visors, like Wayne Gretzky wore it. Anyway, he's always walking around with this little helmet and he's like trying to prove he's a man to his dad. Who's like, almost like gutted this other santa like a fish um but they have to like assemble against these kind of santas and and the thing is basically is so the company has come there basically to mine for these people because these these santas are the like rare exports 
Like they all of the Santas, they need hundreds of them. That's how they get around. There's a point where they go, well, yeah, that's how they managed to get all over the globe in one night is because there's just there are so tens many of thousands of, of yeah, Santas. And they work for this like Krampus. Um, so hopefully I haven't like spoiled the plot of this all, but there's like some fun twists. It's really exciting. Um, and yeah, just this idea that somebody came here to discover this, this basically a mortal race of Santas that work for Christmas and they kind of subvert it into a comedy, like the way that they react to it. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of running around with, you know, shotguns in the snow. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really fun. And I think uh, not a lot of people have seen it necessarily. And I think it really stands out as being um, exactly the criteria that I was looking for, what I talked about at the beginning. It's got these great kind of like creature designs. Um, there's these like massive like tusks of this thing in the snow that like Santa's really fun. It's a perfect setting. It's got the right level of whimsy uh, for sure. You know, there's there's a lot of cool moments for like this little boy like hanging off a helicopter. Uh, it's very original, I think, in terms of the way that they've come at like the Santa story. It, it it doesn't you know track with with Saint Nicholas and our other you know history of Krampus, but they've done it in a way that I think is really memorable and interesting in its own right. Um, and I thought it was uh, really great. So that's my number two pick is uh, Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale. Wow. Yeah. Well, that really diverted from the kind of warm and fuzzy monsters we had well, talked about. We had previously. to we had to break off at we some to point break it up. because because I think there's going to be some you know darker stories uh, to come, and that's I think yes. well, probably what a lot of our listeners are here for. Let's be real, okay? We know that you right. want the scary right. the scary jump scares, um, and I'm here to deliver that for you, and I will deliver it again at least once <laughs> in this uh, this uh, draft. All right. With that, then, I was going to choose something else, but I... I You're going uh, to your I'm number three? Aren't I? Oh, yeah, yeah. Number three. You yeah. ready? Great. Yes. Let's do it. Um, okay. This is... Perhaps I'm breaking the rules because it's not a movie. It is an episode of a television show, but it is like... it. It's a, it was a Hulu series that is kind of like its own one-off. Was it like an episode. anthology? Yeah, it was called Into the Dark. Okay. Yeah, and oh, it, it, I think it I first know of this. Yeah, yeah, first premiered on Hulu. I managed to watch it online, but anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yes, I'm. But I'm sticking. It's my podcast, and I can do whatever I want. So there, <laughs> I am going with this. Um, this was an episode called Puka. Okay. Oh, I think I've seen somebody mention this in some roundup list that I was finding, but I have not seen. So care. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it it might be a little bit difficult to describe without completely giving away the plot, but the the basic of it is is that there's this unemployed down in his luck actor um sees this casting notice and goes and you know has this kind of weird audition, but he's offered the part to play puka and mm -hmm. it turns out that puka is like the going to be the hot new christmas toy it's a very it's a stuffed animal with these huge large eyes and these kind of like weird floppy pointy ears it kind of reminds me of um oh shoot what's that movie with jake gyllenhaal and drew barrymore the bunny oh donnie darko Donnie darko it kind of reminds me a little bit of the bunny from from donnie darko in that it's like it's cute but also creepy uh-huh um and so this this guy wilson is hired to play puka uh in all of the ads and all of the live events to promote the toy mm -hmm. and 
the whole premise of Puka is that he can selectively repeat phrases that he hears in either a naughty or a nice voice. Mm-hmm. And the more and more that that Wilson plays Puka, the more his own personality starts to merge with the character of mm-hmm. Puka. Like he finds himself saying things in the naughty personality and then not having any memory of it later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so he starts dating this woman who has a young son and um the son has a party, a birthday party, and one of the kids starts kind of harassing the son that he doesn't have a dad and it like in that moment switches him over into the naughty puka personality and he starts attacking this kid in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and then he starts to realize more and more of the things that he's doing. And I I'm, I won't give it away, but the overlap of like where Wilson ends and Puka begins and what is memory and what is in the here and now and the reality really starts to blend and merge and overlap. And you realize that the story of Wilson and Puka is actually quite disturbing and tragic uh and uh yes if you can find it online i would definitely recommend it but definitely a really weird christmas story like there's a huge whole plot element around them going to get a christmas tree okay um how much whimsy does it contain um not (laughs) not a lot of whimsy yeah that's okay but i will say that the character of pookie or of puka is can be quite whimsical when he's in his nice personality, uh-huh. right? But like these big, goofy caricature eyes and things like that as well, too. Um, and then there's this repeated phrase that happens over and over again where he starts to just repeatedly say, look at all the pretty lights. Look mm-hmm. at all the pretty lights. So that's where the like keep Christmas creepy thing mm-hmm. <laughs> comes in. Yeah. So I was into it. Cool. It's definitely. Yes. We'll have to check it out and you said it's on it was on hulu so it was on it's... hulu yeah you can find it i think you can maybe 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 it's not so legal to have oh. watched it in the way i did i can't find it but you're <laughs> now. yeah uh i'm gonna find but it. kind of in that I'm same way of like like the chucky movies uh-huh like the chucky doll itself was supposed to be very sweet it and just innocent. sounds like death to smoochie to me it's not but it's like that kind of like un- unchained uh I don't know. Far more, far more of that supernatural element of is Puka its own personality? Is this Wilson having a nervous breakdown? Are the two of them? Yeah, but kind of like, but in that same way of like, in the Chucky movies, the Chucky doll itself is not malevolent. It's that it is possessed by this evil killer. And there's where the horror element of it comes into and so in the same way of like you know when the movie begins puka is just like the hot new toy it's like you know back when we were kids everybody wanted to tickle me elmo there is so it's kind of the same thing you know there is a movie and uh i it it just makes an honorable mention i didn't watch it but it just came up because you're talking about like um possessed things like chucky or something and i hope it's not on your picks but there's a movie called the ginger dead man that i wanted to find um that's around and um, if it is, uh, Madrin hasn't revealed anything in any way. So we'll see if it comes up. Um, but uh, it seems to tick that box. That's uh, not my pick. 
That's just an honorary mention. So if imagine once- How can to- you do honorary mentions before we've even gone through the first half I, of the round? Come I, on. I thought that I would uh, forget, quite frankly, if by the time we got to honorary mentions, it seems related to what you're talking about. If that is what Imagine's picks, then she may pick it later on. Time will tell. Um, but uh, the number three that I am claiming, even though we've spent so much time talking about in the past, is Gremlins. I thought it was so good uh, when we did our Gremlin-specific movie. I, I, I went thought on it that Gremlins length. was exempt from this episode since oh, no. we just had a whole episode about no. Gremlins specifically. Fact, it is the perfect movie to talk about before the break because if you, if you haven't listened to our Gremlins episode, you can just pause this, pop back, listen to the whole Gremlins episode. We can talk <laughs> a bit in depth about uh, somebody getting yeeted out a window Ooh, off a... Yeah. Off a uh, the most horrifying death of a of a parent at christmas time story like and it completely derails the movie in the most bizarre and to me hilarious way Mm -hmm. you can talk about (laughs) guns that seem to be gremlin sized uh blink of an adaptive yep um yeah i just i don't know it it really is i think because i'm i'm just looking at trying to give people the best 12 possible films we can this holiday season And you know what? I just think that it's absolutely uh, worth repeating. Um, It's for those who basically may have missed that episode or haven't seen the movie, the basic premise is there's a salesman who's looking for a special gift um, for his son. And he finds one at a store in in Chinatown. um, And it's a little mogwai, which is like a cute uh, little almost little teddy bear looking gerbil teddy bear. It has a sweet little song. And uh, they're allowed to take it home on uh, the condition of three things, which is uh, don't get it wet, don't feed it after midnight, and what's the other thing? Don't feed it after midnight, don't get it wet. Oh, and it doesn't like bright light. Oh, it doesn't like bright light. Yeah, keep it away from bright light. Or or don't expose it to bright light, I guess. But Mm -hmm. people, I think that's the hardest one. It's done immediately at all times. Um, Anyway, uh, if this happens, basically... They, they um shoot little um pellets out of their back that turn into gremlins and actually did i i think i found this out maybe after the last episode so it was a fun tidbit or maybe you brought it up so i apologize if i'm just rehashing information i learned from you on the following episode but that apparently steven spielberg was the person mm-hmm. who suggested that gizmo be their own um basically exist like gizmo is the sidekick for him the whole movie the original story treatment had Gizmo turning into Stripe. So as oh. as soon as you get to that point of the movie where like um like Gizmo creates these other gremlins that eventually scare and kind of terrorize him. And then um I keep wanting to say Billy, but it's not Billy. We went through this. It whatever. is Billy. Is it, it Billy? Yeah. Okay, whatever. That the main protagonist basically has this sidekick as as gizmo the whole time but apparently the original idea was just the straight horror of you know gizmo turned into a gremlin and then wreaked terror and it was steven spielberg having the um you know the the awareness to say if you take that little component out of the movie it's gonna like break kind of the like continuity of this kind of i I don't know this character this dynamic that you've set up really well 
And it's just such a like stroke of genius of him to be aware of like, that's what's going to sell. And Gizmo was like enormously popular as like a prop. Well, I was going to, and then think about all of the merchandising that came out of it mm -hmm. after that, right? Like everybody wanted a Gizmo doll and there was Gizmo themed everything. Yeah. yeah. So I can but imagine it, that if you suddenly, you know, halfway two thirds of the way through the movie turn him into the villain mm -hmm. then how do you sell this cute cuddly character yeah, but it's it's funny because when i thought about it he kind of serves as like a weird like damsel in distress like it's kind of yes. split between like the love interest and gizmo and you can see that like sometimes gizmos they just do inserts of gizmo doing funny things but like it's not like fully baked into the story once you kind of realize that it wasn't originally there, if that makes sense, it's just you start seeing Gizmo doing things. Yeah, yeah you start you're never seeing concerned the, for him. You just you start seeing the trope of like, oh, here's this adorable, cute, cuddly thing doing adorable, cute, cuddly things, just yeah. so that we find it more endearing. Yes, and yeah. so it was just once I realized that Gizmo wasn't supposed to be in two thirds of the movie, it made me really look at all of the appearances of Gizmo in the other two thirds of the movie and be like, oh, I guess that's why you're just driving around in a little toy car, like at this point, like you're not doing <laughs> yeah. a lot. <laughs> um, but it was, it's fun to kind of have uh, Gizmo stick around. So I thought I would add that little tidbit because um, I think it, it gives some cool context to the story. And with that, we have our top three. So Madrin, uh, your your top three, if I'm correct, is Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, so Oogie the... Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, yeah. yes, specifying. You've got <clears throat> the the OG Grinch movie. Yeah. And what was the name of your third? Uh, that Hookah. It was... Yes. Okay. Is that what the name of the show? What is yes, the show that's called? the name of the... Well, that's the name... I think that... No, the name of the show was Into the Dark. Okay. But the episode was called Puka, and that is the monster character. Okay, great. And then my top three, I've got Muppet Christmas Carol, Rare Exports, and Gremlins. So we're off to a yes. good start here. This is a yeah, great top solid six. Solid entries. But it's not called the six films of Christmas. It's nope. the 12 films of Christmas. So we're going right. to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to get to the end of this list and uh, give you some even... Uh, more recommendations for your holiday season. Welcome back um, to the show. We are going to be digging into our next six films. Uh, I will not be making any more honorable mentions <laughs> at the risk that they might spoil something that Madrin is going to talk about. Uh, it might have been on the fence. We'll find out. Um, so Madrin, you're up. You're on the clock for, for uh, your uh, fourth draft. All right. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take it back to the, the more, wholesome characters here and uh my next pick is the abominable snow monster of the north also known as bumble ah it's off the board that was that Rudolph was the red north reindeer that's on my list and, and I, I was thinking you know what i i went i went gremlins with my number six because i wanted to keep this the spooky scaries going a little bit but uh hey 
you're right. It's 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 got a golden place. I absolutely love Bumble. Well, first I, he, again, hits the the iconic design out of the park, right? Oh, that yeah. blue face, the fangs, the like weird long almost ape-like arms mm-hmm. and and the fact that it's just like and basically it's like an animated cotton ball which mm-hmm. is with some fangs, which is amazing. He's perfect. Uh Bumble seems to have no motivations other than he just does not like Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like he's just there to ruin Rudolph and Hermes and Cornelius's good time. Yukon Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius. And his classic song, Silver and Gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, and yeah, wants to be a dentist. It's yeah, and like Bumble kidnaps Rudolph's family. Mm-hmm. Again, oh, simply yeah. because he's like, I'm going to eat some deer. Like, why not? Eat deer yeah. and Yeti. Why not? And mm-hmm. also, too, there is a running gag in my household about Yetis simply improving the quality of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that came from, I don't know if you've ever seen the third Brendan Fraser mummy movie. I have not. Tonally, it is completely different from the first two. It's a terrible movie. It takes place in the Himalayas. I won't give you a huge rundown of it, but basically there is at one point they end up up in the mountains and poor Michelle Yeoh. This is this is what speaks to how fantastic of an actress Michelle Yeoh is, which is on full display this year. Yes, but but the she has to with full conviction and earnestness say the Yetis found me and brought me back to life. (laughs) And it was at that point that my husband and I decided that every movie could be improved by more Yetis. Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> there are actual, Palpatine returns. There are actual, yes, exactly. Some lines exactly. are possible to say. It was the somehow Emperor <laughs> Palpatine returned of that movie. Like there are actual animated Yetis in this movie. And of course, because it happened in the early 2000s, they are animated horribly. But I digress. I digress. That is, but there, that is where my love of all things Yeti comes from. Hmm. Bumble is, of course, the king of the Yetis, the OG Yeti. Uh, I love that even his name is just like a smushed up version of Abominable Snow. Like if you Uh just say Abominable Snowman really fast, you kind of get Bumble. Uh And then at the end, the best part is at the end, Bumble and Yukon and the dog sled team fall down the side of the mountain. Everyone assumes that he has died. Mm And then all of a sudden, right at the very end, they show up and and Rudolph is like, how did you survive falling off this mountain? And I was like, as a like, but Yukon just didn't I tell you, boy, Bumble's bounce. Um, <laughs> um, I, can't, I can't believe that you, you've gone all this time, though, without giving a little shout out to Rudolph himself. Uh, you know and, what? I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. It, it's not necessarily that he's. It, it is funny because <laughs> I agree that that Bumble is my favorite monster in that movie. But uh, just just a little kudos to Rudolph. He gets his own song. You know, gets his own yep. TV special. And there's been many yep. versions of Rudolph. But I assume you're talking about the stop motion. Oh, I'm talking about from the the claymation. 1964. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Shout out. Shout. I mean, here we, we just said that we would refuse to do honorable mentions and here we are doing another well, one. Well, I but, look, honorable mentions you know, on the monster is fine, but honorable. Nope. Well, no more honorable mentions on films at risk that I could. Okay. Okay. But yes, you're right. Like shout out to Rudolph because on the surface, you're like, oh, how is Rudolph a monster? But you're telling me that a reindeer that has a supernaturally red glowy nose and who can fly is not some sort of monster. Mm. Yeah. Get out of here with that. Teaches the movie teaches a great lesson about um you you know that your difference is your strength, which is a nice exciting thing. Everyone makes. You know what else is really disturbing about this as well too? If you think about, especially in that universe, Santa is all knowing and all seeing. He Mm -hmm. knows when you're naughty. He knows when you're nice. So that means that Santa knew that mm-hmm. Rudolph was being bullied and mm-hmm. didn't do anything about oh, yeah. it until Rudolph, he could commodify Rudolph's Rudolph powers. absolutely deserves better. It is it is a yeah. very like capitalist tale of like, well, totally. we don't we don't give a shit about Rudolph until, oh, Rudolph, you can save the day by just sticking you in the front of the And then we can exploit store. your natural talent. And now oh, we like you. Oh. It's like, yep. you know what? You, you all should have liked Rudolph all along, um, which is the message on the outside. But, you know, that's a lesson that I think they could have learned a Santa's little sooner, really, okay? In that particular story, Santa's, frankly, Santa is a dick. Mm-hmm. It's yep. true. It's true. I'm just, I'm going to stand by, I'm going to, a controversial statement of the episode <laughs> Santa's is Santa a is a dick. And Krampus is the best. <laughs> Krampus is awesome. Krampus he knows is nice. what he's about. He's very sweet. He's got an emotional side that I think most people don't know about. That's true. He loves yes. his rom-coms. Um, but yep. Santa, you know, I haven't met. And when I've heard about him, I don't like so (laughs) there we go um yeah all right my uh number four pick uh going eighth overall in the christmas draft is black christmas so this is a classic christmas movie it is a canadian christmas movie and it features an uh actress that i've worked with in a show in lynn griffin uh, who imagine oh, you also know Lynn is a lovely lady right yes. in this movie and it's um basically the premise is um it takes place at Hawthorne College it's at a sorority house um and the main character is uh Riley and basically she and her sorority sisters it makes it sound really campy but it's actually kind of like a grounded scary slasher movie um have to deal with this crazy uh man on the loose in a way it's it's um the whole movie is you're trying to figure out who it is the person that is stalking them and kind of like picking them off one by one but it opens with a really kind of long and like bold tracking shot you can think of like um it seems to have it's a little bit like john carpenter's halloween except for with halloween you know exactly what he looks like like you have a face for this and and the whole kind of thing that makes black christmas so interesting is it's these really intense like pov shots from the killer's perspective so you watch him at the very beginning you can hear this like heavy breathing and he crawls up the side of this sorority house and goes into the attic and basically the whole movie he's like inside the house it's this early trope of somebody's calling from inside the house before this would became a thing in the 90s like black christmas debatably really instigated this trope that is so like pivotal to horror films and um sorry lynn but lynn's one of the first uh to get killed and there's this very iconic um but like it's a really iconic 
uh, image that maybe you, you may have seen without even realizing it was her of like, um, basically it's like a rocking chair and somebody has like a bag over their head and they've been like suffocated. And, and this basically a madman that has like these kind of multiple personalities keeps like calling them from like other, like from the house. And uh, anyway, it's just constructed in a way that like the actual filmmaking of it is great. Like, and, and there's elements of it that unfortunately like didn't age well, I would say from the seventies, there's a trope I think in horror movies that I think doesn't lend well to aging films, which is you make your characters look bad by giving them a trait that's like undesirable. You know, like it's not in this yeah. film, but it's like sometimes you're like, oh, that person's like a really big racist. Now we don't like them. It's like, yeah, cool. Right. We yeah. don't really need to use that trope anymore. So there's a couple of moments in this movie where like, like that guy's a lech. It doesn't matter if he dies. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, this is giving like, you know, some depth or whatever. You're just like, that's just a scooch, like uncomfortable. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's like this influential Christmas movie that I had never seen. And um it's got some great kills that maybe we'll get to later. Uh, but shout out to Lynn and just the whole, um, yeah, the vibe of the movie. It's it's scary. Um, it even has like a kind of sequence at the end that reminded me of Silence of the Lambs. Like it's Ooh. it's very well uh, crafted. So um, imagine if you haven't seen it before, I highly recommend it to you. It's absolutely a Christmas classic and it's legitimately quite scary. And um, I don't want to spoil the ending, but I really liked just the the closing image that they take the movie on. It's a great kind of horror twist um, that I think leaves you thinking. And I always um, love that. They do such a good job kind of with the built-in style of the movie, keeping you wondering about, you know, who the killer is. And like, I don't know. I just think they the story is constructed in a really um clever way good good movie um nice. probably the scariest on my list and uh that is uh my um single bullet for the psycho human horror flick uh All you right. will notice there's <clears throat> no ghosts featured in it oh um, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know there is no uh krampus doesn't make an appearance unfortunately um but the the character really is an absolute lunatic uh, you hear the um, uh, voice on the phone many times and it definitely falls into that um human being as a monster for many ways when you see the movie um but it definitely takes that box so if you love uh christmas uh thrillers uh, i won't honorarily mention any anymore um, <laughs> because uh, i don't want to spoil them but um that's a really great one all right. all right well on that vein i don't in my mind this one is supernatural maybe it kind of goes into the human aspect of it i'll let you decide once i tell you uh it is jack frost it's in, came out in 1997 okay not to be confused with the Jack Frost, the where Michael Keaton plays a guy who embodies a snowman to get closer to yes. his son. The, you're no, talking no. about the like horror film Jack Frost. I'm talking about the horror film, like direct-to-video slasher, super cheesy. This yes. Um mm -hmm. it's it this movie has developed kind of a cult following because the death scenes are just so comically over the top terrible special effects 
it's it's got all the campy goodness <laughs> that you expect for some of these slasher movies. So the basic plot is uh, this serial killer whose name is Jack Frost is being transported to uh, be executed mm-hmm. and his truck collides with the truck uh, that has um, that's that's transporting chemicals. Mm-hmm. Jack is exposed to these chemicals inside the truck. He dissolves and fuses with the snow. <laughs> Everyone assumes that he has died because, of course, they can't find a body. Uh-huh. Uh, but it turns out that, no, he can now morph himself into a snowman. And so as a snowman goes on a rampage through town. Oh, and I forgot to tell you that uh, this all takes place in the town of Snowminton. Mm-hmm. Snowminton. Amazing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, he goes on this rampage. He kills the sheriff, the sheriff, the and like, and no one is safe. Like a young kid is straight up decapitated. Uh, the, like the whole family. Um, there's a rather graphic, of course, because it's a slasher movie, rape slash murder scene because mm-hmm. of course it happens at the same time very <laughs> oh like... no somebody's went to murder Lee. quick let me get into my scantily clad clothing <laughs> she she and it's like yeah no she has a bath <laughs> and of course because this guy is made out of snow mm. he pretends to be the bath water Brutal. to lure her in <laughs> yeah it, it, and then re-solidifies while she's in the tub yeah it's the context yeah. that makes it icky it's like on yes. the, well, the one yes. hand, right, you're like, oh, that is scary. Like, I think there was a period of time where they just went down to like, this is the most primal fear. It's terrifying that somebody might try to kill you in the bath. But the like yes. way that that was executed makes you feel gross. It's just but, completely. But you yeah. can understand, I guess, the fear factor of it. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and then ultimately, like our hero realizes that he can defeat this Jack Frost snowman killer uh, with antifreeze because <laughs> amazing innocent innocently enough his son thinking that this would be a great way to keep his father from getting cold put antifreeze in his father's oatmeal <laughs> so of course i as a viewer was like well that'll just straight up kill him <laughs> and so like without really no but without knowing that he inadvertently throws his oatmeal at Jack Frost. And that's when he's like, ah, and like, you know, it goes through, it burns his head. And he's uh-huh. like, oh, I realized there's antifreeze in this, right? So they end up killing him in a truck full. Like he fills his truck bed mm-hmm. with antifreeze. That's a and good, they go- <laughs> it's a good Chekhov's gun, actually, hiding yeah. using antifreeze in porridge. Because I don't know about the way yeah. that they executed that movie, but I don't necessarily think that that would have, come up later as a weapon of choice you know no no and then ultimately um so yes they kill jack frost in this uh pool of antifreeze that's in the back of his pickup truck and they put all of that liquid into several different antifreeze containers Mm -hmm. and then bury the containers underground (laughs) so that they can never get him back Uh but then of course that very last shot we see that one of the containers is bubbling so like oh maybe jack is still alive under there was there a sequel (laughs) there was believe it or not i did not watch it they totally leaned into it. It was called Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Killer Mutant Snowman. You know what? I respect it when a franchise just straight up calls itself whatever like, two. Camp, right? You know? Shrek I also respect two. it when the sequel starts with Revenge of the. Uh-huh. You know? 
Uh-huh. But it's something except bold. for Revenge of the Sith, they're it's, mostly great. It's it's bold to just say whatever too, right? No, no yep. further title required. Riding right off the coattails. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, it's um, it's a delightfully campy good time. A very young um, Shannon Elizabeth of American Pie fame mm-hmm. is in it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, my pick uh for my what do we have five fifth overall my yeah. fifth overall pick is a movie that will be familiar to you if you listened to our christmas special of last year it is krampus the movie krampus which features this incredible the anthony bourdain one uh no not the anthony bourdain oh, one the anthony the short... bourdain one is no i'm thinking about the one with with adam scott uh, oh yes, Collette, yes, yes, and it's like yes. this incredible um, ensemble comedy. It's got a lot of like really sweet um, jump scares. Um, if you haven't seen it before, I think it's the best Krampus movie. And now in my brain, because I, I I think it's on par with Gremlins in terms of the like mayhem that ensues, like in the way that it escalates so quickly, like that they establish the world. But I, I think that they uh, both have a, a real strong contention for being the type of movie that you watch every year. Like I've seen Krampus a couple times now, and I think it holds up. It has, a, a again, a clever ending that that is kind of chilling. It's got the perfect, um, you know, dysfunctional family at the center. So it just works as its own movie, like without even needing the supernatural. I mean, obviously it benefits from being a scary movie with with Krampus, which is one of the great uh, monsters of all time. Um, but I just think it it holds up really well. Um, and it, it uh, threads that line really well between horror and comedy. So I couldn't leave it off my list because when I think about films that really I would love other people to watch more of. And for some reason, I think that this movie hasn't caught, even though it's probably the most well-known now Krampus movie. I still wish that Krampus had um, more of a household name amongst uh, my friends and family. And so I think this movie is a great way to learn about Krampus and also to celebrate Krampus uh, year round, uh, but especially at this time. Um, So I highly recommend, uh, yeah, the Krampus movie. It's got a bunch nice. of great kills too. That hey, maybe we'll get to that. Maybe later we'll too. talk about maybe. that later. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, all right. I'm gonna bring it home. I'm gonna make it a little sweet. Your final, again. your final pick, Madrin. My be, final pick. Be careful, yep. you know. Make sure you make sure you're really. You feel good about it, you know. It's final answer. I do. Okay. Good. Just want to make sure uh, you're just locking it in. Yeah. Locking it in. Yeah. Right. Uh, my final pick is. Frosty the Snowman. Classic. Classic. <laughs> well done. Right? It's got but it's got everything, right? It's like it's the, a bit, the a bit elements different than of the your other um, a bit different than Jack yeah. Frost, eh? Little little, little you know, little little different, little yeah. different, yeah. Slightly different uh, demographic. Yeah, you know, but uh you know, but it still has that that supernatural element, right? That magic hat brings him to life. Mm-hmm. And and really the turning to water. The villain <laughs> of the the movie if you can really even call him that well well i mean oh i suppose yes the, the villain of the movie is heat uh no but um it's uh it's this magician who really just wants his hat back mm-hmm. right like he's doing magic tricks for children at a school and they find his hat and put it on a snowman that they built when they ran out for recess and it mm. turns out that wow this like two-bit hack 
of a magician actually has a real magic hat. Huh. And You're right. uh, yeah. it brings him to life. And then like, ba- and then basically the magician's like, like, oh no, wait, I want like the only element in my ovra that actually works like mm-hmm. this hat. Right. Um, but of course, because the children realize like, oh no, this hat actually animated this snowman. We want to keep it alive. And so they conspire to then put him on a train along with our protagonist, Karen, um to go to the north pole so that he can live in the north pole and stay alive forever Mm. and i also appreciate too for a film that came out in the 60s our child hero is a girl nice that's where that movie made now we probably wouldn't see that you don't think we would see it now i don't think so i I think think if frosty were made now karen would be carl i think or whatever i think that it would be more likely now fortunately that that it would be uh, a person of any identity i think we're getting better especially with some of the kids uh stuff but you're right that it's definitely i mean maybe i'm just an optimist in that way i could totally be wrong um but it is amazing but, that but at especially the time that like they were, back that they were conscious yeah back that, in right? an era where the default yeah. was white cis het able-bodied male mm-hmm. they at least diverted from one of those uh-huh. things <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And plus, it's got a, it's got a, like, I don't know, is sentient the word I'm looking for? It's got a rabbit that understands everything mm-hmm. that's going on and it actually also, is part of plot elements that, like, many, keeps things moving, you know? How many of your picks, Madrin, have an iconic Christmas song attached to it? Because I think... Several. Now, if... Yes, is, now is it that 50%? you're saying that. Uh, let's have, see. Have a, like... Oogie. Yeah. Grinch. Yeah. Uh, Bumble. Bumble, Rudolph. And now Frosty. Frosty. Yeah. So 60, actually 70. 66. Yeah, 66%. Oh, wait. I, this is yeah. how I do math. Yes, yeah, 66%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, round it up 70%. Round oh, it up to 70. Not, I was going to say 75. You know what? Imagine, math I'm going to add that to the criteria of our of our Christmas. What makes a good Christmas movie? Uh, it has because, to have an iconic song. Well, it certainly seems to have swayed your, your votes because the majority of your it's picks true. have an I- iconic uh, Christmas song. That is true. Yeah, that is true. Actually, hasn't only how many of yours have had iconic Christmas songs? Just the one, right? Just well, um, Muppets. Muppets, yeah. Um, let me think. Um, yeah, Black Christmas doesn't have a Christmas song so much as a raving lunatic on the phone. No, so no, it's uh, memorable. The things like Gr- Gremlins, I don't think has an iconic song that goes with it. No, but it has a good score, but it's not um certainly you know, like the along. theme music to it is good, but it's not like um you put it on Disney Plus and sing along with it. No, there's no sing along version to yeah, no. uh to that movie. Um well, oh man, this is my last pick. And I feel like I have a few different ways that I could go. I mean, if I don't pick them, you know, I'm just gonna go with my gut and do what I was going to do. And actually, you know what, I was going to draft this a little bit higher. But I think uh, you'll find out why in a second. My final pick for our 12th film of Christmas is uh, the other Grinch movie, the Jim Carrey Grinch movie. And I'm glad glad that you brought up the OG too, because in many ways, I know in my mind that that is a better movie. But (laughs) I love... Jim Carrey and I love what he does in the Christmas uh like in the Grinch that like Ron Howard did 
there's so many good actor things in that movie that like every time I watch it, I go, wow, he's good. Like it really yeah, is. Yeah, he certainly it's, commits. It, it's so incredible bodied. what yeah. he's done. And I, and I really think no one else can do it. There's a part in that story in the middle where I go like, what is this storyline of the Grinch as a boy and with his like shaving sequence and, you know, and it, it comes from, I, I think know, the same, so it comes from the same theme of we talk about like setting up that. Those like, outcasts that are bullied. Yeah. yeah. And, and the conflict that he has with the town that spurns him to like fulfill what is object, like it all tracks, but it kind of meanders in the middle. Like there's the, the scene in a mail room, like there's some extra bits, but I think when they had, Jim Carrey, you have to give him room to do that type of work because you never know what you're going to get. One of my favorite sequences is there's a bit in the middle that he like just made up where he's just riffing on Ron Howard. Do you know, remember that scene? He's, <laughs> no. wearing, he's wearing a hat, which is Ron Howard's um, Imagine hat or whatever. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And apparently it was just like, he got to a point where he was like so miserable because it took so long to get into it, into costume. Well, and I heard that those contacts that he had to wear were just Awful. brutally and uncomfortable. He just, he was like because they made his eyes like the size of saucers, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's like, he's chain smoking out of one of those little like um, Audrey Hepburn like, oh, um, yeah, <laughs> cigarette, yeah. like the cigarette holders. And apparently yeah. like there's a point where he's like, I can't do it anymore. And Ron's just like, do it for the kids, man. It's going to be so great. Um, and I'm glad he continued to do it for the kids. But anyway, there's a great um, a bit in the middle where he's just like, I think directing Max and he's the director and all of it is just like, like loving digs at Ron Howard, who has been directing him throughout the process. And it's just something you wouldn't get um, if you didn't have him. Um, yeah. I also just love the sequence of him and his like schedule in his cave by himself. That's so funny. Where he's like, just like, oh, dinner for dinner Grapple for one. with my own self. Hello there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dinner with hate, myself. I can't hate. cancel that again. <laughs> exactly. I just think like, I think that film has grown on me with time for that reason. When it first came out, I think I was so attached to the original and rightfully so because it is a classic film. And I think always will be. And it's such a like um, loving adaptation of the original material. Um, but I think the more that I've gone back to the Ron Howard Grinch, just the more I appreciate that performance. And every time I see it pop up on TV, I go, oh, I just want to watch this because he's just so damn uh, watchable. Um, Definitely so. like an incredible character study the yeah incredible character that he's created yeah and in like he just carries the whole film on his back even through you know some of the inconsistencies it's not even that the story is bad it's just that it is a short story like it, it is stretched mm -hmm. to make it into a feature film that's why the original that's what i was talking about earlier when it was like how long is it because i remember it being quite a bit short i would i would say that's at least half of the, if I had to guess. I no, think I'm... you're right. I think the original running time of that animated one has got to be less than an hour. Yeah. Can we look this up really quick? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Um, the... Which one is this? Oh, I can't tell whether it's giving me the new Illumination Grinch, which is also fine. It's fine. Benedict I think it's 85 nice mil. I... No, no. There's so no way it's 85 at... minutes. Okay. No. The one that I am that I was referring to is the year 2000, which also, right. Wow. I then feel there's, old. Um, oh, it is 85 minutes. Oh, that's far longer than I thought. 
At what? The the Jim Carrey Oh, no, Grinch? this is not. No, this is no, the, the one from Grinch 2018. Is Yeah, that's the newest one. That's, that's done the one by with the same, Benedict Cumberbatch. Which is also fun, but it's very much just like. I haven't seen it. It is it is cute, and it's going to probably be just as good as the Mario film will be, which is like uh, Despicable Me. Um, let's not get into that. It's not the content. But anyway, that was our segment. We're not the there show. yet. The Illumination Grinch is fine. It's very cute, but it's not as good as these two. 26 um, minutes. You're right. The one from 1966 yeah, is yeah, only yeah. 26 minutes exactly. long. Exactly. It's so short. It's 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 perfectly concise. So this feature film is an hour and 45, which is uh let's do some Patrick, do, do you want to use your your brain and tell me what percent? That is over bit, 3 times as long. It's yeah, it's about almost 4 times I would say. Um almost exactly 4 times. That, at well, least 3 times. 4 times is over 3 uh it's true we are both <laughs> right the point is I, I think that the 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 only complaint the real complaint i have for the grinch film is that some of the scenes seem unnecessary and yeah because you've made it four times they as had long to shoehorn it material. in yeah. yeah and so i think that was what kind of was the excitement for i remember i think ron howard saying like that's kind of what you have to do to make it work in that medium not all of those stories are as interesting as the original you know, not every sequence is, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're right. Like they had, magic, but you, and then you also got too, like, um, they felt the impetus to give that that backstory as to why adult Grinch hates Christmas so much. So yeah, there, yeah. You see this whole thing about how he was abandoned and mm -hmm. he was raised by these. He was raised by these two who's, but really the who's didn't really care too much about him. You also have there that was like. The one little girl who that he liked and he was the trying weird, to impress. The ones that kind of have like a horny crush on the Grinch too. Yeah. Like the, the awkward who's. I don't know what it is. It's like, hey, women of all ages, do what you want. But it was weird when they were who's. That's what that's yeah. what it was to me. It's that it wouldn't have been so strange if they were humans. But the like, I don't know. It it was uh, something of, they're just their faces were weird in my brain to be like sexualized with crushes. I had never thought of the Who's that way in in the comic book version. No, there's no part of me that thinks that the Who's are sexy. <laughs> no, then oh. I, uh, I think uh, the Grinch is technically a what, and there's no part of me that wanted to see a Who and a what get down. You know? <laughs> I have no interest. Um, well, anyway, on that image, uh, we're going to take a bit of a break. When we get back, we've got some very exciting stuff to go through. Number one, we're going to go through our honorable mentions. Not just the ginger dead man, uh, but some other things that- Though, we need to talk about the ginger dead and man. And we're going to, after the break, oh, with some of our other honorable mentions. We're also going to get into some like of our favorite kills uh, from these 12 uh, films and maybe beyond. And we're going to give out our top three Creechy Awards. Uh, these are our 12 films of Christmas, but the episode's not over yet. We've got more fun after the break. Welcome back to the third segment of the show, which, as I've always said, is the best segment of the show. Uh, and today it remains the best, but will be a little bit different. Uh, but I... for reasons different from 
the usual reasons. Yeah. Well, today, the first reason is that <laughs> I'm having a beer. It's great. Oh, I see that. And, and also to our dear listeners, I know you can't see it, but Will is drinking out of a very seasonally appropriate glass. There's a Santa printed on it when he's standing next to a little Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. It's very cozy. It's nice, jolly red nose. And very I'm jolly. having... Uh, the uh, Nickelbrook uh, Naughty Neighbor American Style Pale Ale, which nice. is a local brewery. I want to say it's Burlington. It is quite good. It used to have a scandalous uh, can, and now it is just an eagle <laughs> uh, with some goggles on. Oh. Uh, it's American, um, but uh, hey, same great beer. And uh, progressive packaging, just like some of the movies that we've listened to, have changed over time. Um, we are going to be digging into some of our honorary mentions before we do anything else, just because, you know, 12 films, we've got a real solid list. Um, but I know some of you are probably thinking about, well, why didn't we include this movie? And why didn't we include this movie? And, you know, maybe we have a reason for it and maybe we just didn't pick it. So sorry, you're going to find yourself in the honorable mentions. Um, why don't I jump out with a couple? Imagine we can just kind of go back and forth with these. The first, um, well, the first one that I kind of wanted to include and then realized it just didn't have enough Christmas in it uh, is Ghostbusters 2. Because Ghostbusters 2 uh, takes place leading up to New Year's. It takes place during Christmas. There's a scene where they all wear Santa hats. Like it, it runs through Christmas but there's no big like Christmas event. And so yeah, I, was... I think the thing, and this is always the argument about is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not, is that mm-hmm. is Christmas a necessary plot element to the movie? Mm-hmm. And so in the argument of is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes, because there's no other reason for Holly to have invited. Um, oh, God. Why can't I remember Bruce Willis's character's name in Die Hard? Um, anyway, there's there's no other reason for her to have invited John, her. John, John, John McClane. John McClane. Thank you. Yes, there's no reason for Holly to have otherwise invited her estranged husband under the the guise of this Christmas yeah, party. It has to be Christmas in, in an effort for reconciliation, right? Like she's not going to invite him to like the the third quarter launch. You know and what I mean? There's a bunch like, of only great gonna bring Christmas, to the Christmas one-liners too. Like they know. Yeah. What ho they're doing. ho ho! Now I have a gun. Yeah. You know. Um, for the record, her, her friggin' name is Holly. Come the on. The reason the reason that it wasn't included today is that it doesn't qualify There's as no monster. a monster. And no unfortunately, monster. as much as uh, Hans Gruber is an excellent character, I didn't want to spend my single bullet on uh, on a raving lunatic right. psycho human on uh, Hans Gruber. But we so, can all agree that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, right? 100%. We, Great. the two of us, will agree yep. unanimously and uh, close the book on that forever. Um, this is no Is Yoda a Swamp Monster debate. Yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> we not won't, today. it's fine. Let's put that aside. It's a, it's that the holiday a, season, yep. magic. You're People right. Peace on Earth, goodwill it. towards humankind. And I remembering, understand. of course, that Yoda is a swamp monster. No, he's um, not. Okay, so uh Ghostbusters 2 is right. I, I would yeah. is not a Christmas movie, but I would argue that it's a New Year's movie. And uh, another kind of horror film uh that is not a Christmas movie but is a New Year's movie is uh, Rosemary's Baby leads up to New Year's as well. Oh, um, yes. I was looking for some classic um kind of holiday movies. Eyes Wide Shut too is a great kind of like almost genre film. I have never actually Christmas. seen Christmas. Oh, really good. 
doesn't feature a monster. <laughs> so uh, a cult. Well, I don't know. Yes. Tom Cruise is in it. Uh, yeah, there's your psycho human, I guess, if you want to spend your yeah. bullet on that. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> I did Black Christmas and I don't regret it. Um, but anyway, those movies are great for this time of year. But hey, they're not what we're looking for. Um, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to again, it was like, I feel like this is kind of Christmas adjacent, but it's not strongly Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it hits a lot of our points when we're looking for the other criteria for these movies. And so I'm just going to give an honorable mention to Edward Scissorhands. Mm -hmm. That was on my list. I love right. that movie. Yeah, uh, right. I, like, very iconic, very iconic design of the character, it, and you know, very it's Tim Burton at his best, right? Mm -hmm. That that candy colored, weird suburbia house, but then there's the gothic mansion that's in the it, snow, and it's the like... very last part that Vincent Price ever played. Really? Yes, like oh. he basically died within just a few weeks of them rapping. Wow. Yeah. So again, like any, I'm um, like we were saying too. Between Vincent Price and Boris Karloff, you are hitting all of the great horror. Yeah. You know the the people who made, especially, and I love the the campiness of Vincent Price's horror world. And may I also just so, say, uh, while we're talking about like true uh, pioneers of genre stuff, just give a little shout out to Sigourney Weaver, who's in mm -hmm. fucking everything <laughs> and is great, and and isn't necessarily like. I was listening to her kind of talk that she's not necessarily someone who like sought out horror, but it's become like this kind of sci-fi icon. Um, you know, well, and I, I've heard a couple, queens, right? But I just yeah, I've heard funny. a couple of those. You know, what, who the the women that we consider these like oh strong female lead actors say similar things that like I know um, Gina Torres, who we all know from Firefly, mm -hmm. and like early in her career, she was on a series called Cleopatra twenty five twenty five, and mm -hmm. she was saying that like. She is a very tall, I think like she's almost six feet tall, black woman. She uh -huh. didn't really fit into, especially when she was first starting her career in the 90s, she didn't really fit into a lot of those like wafy white girl tropes. For she sure. didn't. And so, but she said, as soon as they put a blaster in my hand and told me to start running towards a fake monster, I found my people. I found my niche. That is where I fit. And so she ended up doing a lot of these sci-fi fantasy style movies and i think kind of in a similar way too like sigourney weaver isn't i don't think she's what we consider to be like really super conventionally beautiful though i think she is a very attractive person great actor but she doesn't i like i can't really imagine her being like oh the mom trope in yeah. a lot of stuff you know I what i mean she's she's relatable in um i don't know just being kind of like a I don't want to use the like every man trope, but just like she seems like a grounded human. She's being. there to get stuff done. Yeah. 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 She's and she's not thrown. Like she's not easily yeah. um kind of knocked off guard. And I think that's part of her personality is she came from I think both of her parents were in TV and film too. Like she's kind of unflappable. Um also, shout out if you're talking Scream Queens, then we'll get back to what we're doing is Jamie Lee Curtis as well. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so some of the other honorable mentions that I've got here of films that people absolutely watch around Christmas but don't didn't fall into our list is uh, Harry Potter, the first yep. Harry Potter film. And some people marathon all of the Harry Potter films, mm -hmm. especially. We've got that Christopher Columbus crossover with Gremlins, too, as we talked about. Uh, well, there, there are some quite memorable Christmassy scenes, especially yeah, in those banquet. first Harry Potter movies. And like, 
you know, we see Harry have his first real true Christmas with the Weasleys and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a pretty uh, solid Disney Plus television show called Hawkeye. Uh, that is very yeah. much a Christmas special. Uh, kind of long form. All the whole thing is about Hawkeye trying to get home for Christmas to spend trying time to with his family. Yep. And that's definitely the way that they branded it. Um, it had the return of uh, Kingpin. It wasn't my favorite show uh, that they've done, but it was uh, fun, Christmassy content. Um, and um, if we're talking about specials that they made for um, Disney Plus as well, there's a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special that just came out yes. a couple weeks ago. Um, that it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah, I think it really <laughs> it started... relies quite heavily on the charm of Kevin Bacon. Yes, and. Kevin Bacon delivers. And uh, well, I mean, certainly he steps up to the plate, but were it not for Kevin Bacon, that special would not be great at all. I think the reason that is the fun. Though of I do like it because it, the side it characters finally, we don't get to see. I was going to say, it finally gives Mantis the screen time that we've just been begging yeah. for her to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think really the Guardians films have Star-Lord at the center and that is a lot of the investment that we have on like a narrative level just because the way that they're structured so it does feel like what is this um but it does kind of flesh out the world and apparently kind of reset them for the next one so i'll reserve my judgment until i see how it ties into three um but uh that's it right now and the last honorable mention that i'm going to actually no i lied there's two the first one is Elf, and this was my debate for number 12 on our list, is whether I was going to go Jim Carrey Grinch or Will Ferrell and Elf. And I just went with with um, Jim because I'm a big fan um, of him, and he is a proud um, Canadian. Uh, but, <laughs> but Will Ferrell in Elf is another example of a performer that elevates a movie beyond what it is. I think it he, he is so good in that, that it's such a simple premise, um, but he just makes it uh, much better. It's not my favorite Christmas movie, but some of you are probably listening and being like, hey, there's an elf and there's Will Ferrell. What are you idiots doing not talking about elf? I've been waiting for an hour now and you haven't talked about elf. Well, here you go. It's definitely um, a classic uh, movie and uh, worth a watch if you haven't seen it, but it's not going to be in my yearly rotation, I don't think. And again, it's another one of those movies where you're just like, wow, that is like the cast in it is crazy mm-hmm. right like james con especially you're like oh james con who is known for playing mobsters and like really tough guys mm-hmm. is he plays will will sparrow's dad mm-hmm. like this goofy you know and like bob newhart as his daddy elf mm-hmm. <laughs> uh peter dinklage is great in it as well yes so. i forgot about that um yeah Imagine, would you like to discuss the ginger dead man? Oh, I would like to discuss the ginger dead man. This movie is so campily ridiculous. I love it. It is so Gary Busey plays the ginger dead man and it is Gary Busey at his Gary Buseyist. Uh, he just goes like completely crazy, you know, muttering to himself Busey style. <laughs> but this movie knows what it is. Like, so it's the premise is that uh Gary Busey is a serial killer who's been executed and his remains are cremated they're sent back to his mother who happens to be a witch uh, okay. and mixes his ashes in with a gingerbread spice mix uh-huh. and then 
drops it off at the bakery which is run by the daughter and wife of the family <laughs> that this guy killed just there's so to many there. circumstances that just happen to bump into each other yeah exactly and, and so like so dark. then they mix the gingerbread mix that they just found in the alley into the dough uh, her co-worker accidentally cuts his hand and unbeknownst to them, they put blood in the dough and that's what activates him. And so now she's like, she's making gingerbread cookies with it and it turns into this like sentient psycho killer, serial killer, ginger dead man with, who like looks disturbingly like Gary Busey as well. <laughs> but like this movie knows how campy it is so it they lean very heavily into the baking trope mm -hmm. like our our protagonist our you know our damsel in distress female character her name is sarah lee which is like a brand of american cakes right mm -hmm. nobody does and like sarah lee and then um there's another character who's mrs fields same thing there's is another character Crocker? whose name is well her um sarah lee's mother's name is betty so i guess she's betty lee not betty crocker but there's also another character whose name whose last name is cadbury <laughs> like the chocolate so like they really they know mm -hmm. <laughs> they know what it is <laughs> um my last uh shout out is a whole franchise that i found there's five of them uh i which is maybe what i'm gonna you know be watching uh between now and new year's uh, there's a series of films called Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, mm -hmm. They happened in this 70s, 80s boom for Christmas slasher movies. Um, and basically, in the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, a five-year-old boy is traumatized by the murder of his parents um, uh, by a man wearing a Santa suit, only to grow up and do the same. Like, he gets triggered in some way and then goes on a murder spree while also dressed as Saint Nick. And then there's just like Killer Santa. And they made five movies out of that. And you know what? Maybe maybe I'm going to watch them all. I'm not sure yet, but I just might. Um, so maybe there's some fans out there for The Silent Night, uh, Deadly Night. And you can let me know if I should invest my time into five films. Um, well, that's a lot of honorary mentions, but uh, hopefully we shouted out uh, your film. Let's maybe get into some of our uh, favorite kills. Uh do you have any uh, favorite uh, kills that you'd like to uh, talk about from your, uh, it could have been, uh, let's just say from the top 12, um, could have been mine, could have been yours, but uh, in our top 12 uh, films of Christmas. Um, well, I, I, you know, I quite enjoy the way that Oogie Boogie dies in Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. right? Like he's got this loose thread that is barely holding his sack of bug bodies together. And then uh -huh. Jack just yanks on it and like, the sack falls off and for a brief second he's still that solid mass of bugs and like, uh -huh. worms and creepy crawly things and then like then he just starts to fall apart and his mm -hmm. voice gets in that really high pitched you know you get kind of that like um witch from the wizard of oz uh-huh well the best from it the best capper of that is one single bug gets away and santa, and santa squashes, squashes it. it yes and then and basically he leaves kind of being like this is a bunch he doesn't say this but i imagine this like, that's a bunch of, bunch of bullshit yeah like yeah. What, let me get back to santa's and he's like uh well, and he, jack yeah, is basically like, like i hope i didn't ruin christmas he's like of course you didn't ruin christmas just let me go home like the santa's... only person who makes any sense around here is her and he's yeah, talking about sally, sally. yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, I liked that and I just loved that Santa was the one to finally put an end to Oogie Boogie, who's been just like torturing him for 20 minutes. Tormenting everyone. Giant yep. uh, roulette wheel. He tried um, to dump him into his um, spider stew. Oh yeah, that's but, true. That's what that is, right? Yeah. That's, his, that's his steak and spider stew. Gross. Um, there is a great kill in Black Christmas. I'm not going to say who dies. I'm not going to say where they die. Uh, but there's a swinging meat hook to the face. Um, so that was uh, good. Uh, and like shot in a way that you kind of anticipate it happening. Like they, they there's a, uh, somebody's looking for their cat. Um, classic monster movie trope, eh? Looking for a cat. Looking dying. for the cat. <laughs> it doesn't work out well die. for him. Um, there's also a fun, um, speaking of uh, killer gingerbread men in Krampus, uh, there's a character, uh, Howie Jr., who's basically a little boy who loves gingerbread, and they're all clearly getting tormented, and they're stuck in that house, and everyone's asleep, and he hears a little jingle jangle of chains in the chimney, and at the end of the chain is a gingerbread man. And he, being a hungry little idiot, goes and starts eating the gingerbread man, who promptly yanks him up, all, like on the chain and up through the chimney, and he's never seen again. <laughs> they try, yeah. like, they try to pull him back down, trying to yank for him. But uh, hey, don't don't eat the talking gingerbread don't man. Don't <laughs> eat the gingerbread man that just comes out of the chimney. Yeah, it's clearly attached it. to a scary, dangerous mm -hmm. chain hook. That is true. Um, there's, uh... There's also a great kill in Jack Frost. Uh-huh. Um, actually, it was one of my favorites. So early on, there's one of the characters gets strangled by a string of Christmas lights. Mm -hmm. A box of glass Christmas ornaments is smashed into her head. And then the piece de resistance, she gets her hands smashed into uh, like a christmas star to so like mm -hmm. spears her right through the hand it's it's gory and very christmassy in its use of like christmas equipment <laughs> in the killing of this person it's yeah it's funny i'm trying to think of how morbid i am if i had a favorite uh kill in krampus i feel like we talked some of that i really just the, the woman getting thrown out of the window uh, off of her motorized stair chair. Oh, in Gremlins, you mean? And Sorry, yes. What did I say? Krampus? Krampus. Uh, yeah, Gremlins. Krampus, definitely the there's best, a bunch. The Gremlins. best death in Gremlins is the one that Kate, the character Kate, describes how her father died when oh, she was a child. Yeah, but I don't... That's... that's Okay, do you want to use that as your best kill? I no, think a best no. kill being like, no, the best wow, that was so satisfying, like, you know? Well, no, the best kill in Gremlins is when Billy's mom chucks the one gremlin into the microwave and then oh, just absolutely yeah, right. nukes him. Yeah. And, like blows him up Pops inside in the, the microwave. microwave. Yeah. That's a good one for sure. Um, yeah. I, was uh, also... I also, this one's like a gentler, I'll say this one's like a gentler death. Uh, is it Fro um, Frosty the Snowman? It's Frosty. Death, Fro death is Frosty? Yeah. Well, death by, well, yeah, because they get trapped in that greenhouse. Uh huh. And Frosty melts and essentially dies. And then, of course, Karen is, like, super upset about this. And Santa has to explain to her, well, you know, he's only made out of North Pole snow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one makes me sad, though. I don't like thinking about it. But he comes best. back. Like, 
Santa put, takes him back to the North Pole and he says, oh, he'll come back every year. So yeah, it's, I mean, in, in that childlike way where it's like, oh, he's not permanently death, but he does, he does die. And there is a moment there where Karen thinks that she's never going to see him again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's same for, I, I would argue that the um, abominable uh, snow monster is up there for uh, quality kills in terms of the way that it works out for the story and then is coming back. But at that point, you yep. think he's still a monster. So like it, yes. it works both ways where you're like, ah, oh, you finally got him. Like and you sacrificed and then he comes back and it's a little bit wholesome too. And then he comes uh, back and then Yukon's like, oh, he's fine now. We're friends. Don't mm-hmm. worry about it. We've yeah. only been mortal enemies my entire life. But then we fell down a mountain <laughs> together and things changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you fall down a mountain with a guy and your perspective on him changes. Yeah. I, yeah. The only other kill that I can think of that is uh, relative to the story, but a little bit in poor taste is uh, Tiny Tim. Uh, <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, but i was like if we're if we're going frosty gets melted by snow um tiny tim also dies that Uh, reminds me of a story that my sister loves to tell my sister is in no way a theater lover she detests all things theater she lived in germany for a year and a friend of hers convinced her to go to this play the staging of a christmas carol Uh and in this particular version of it tiny tim was played by a puppet Uh which was controlled by the people playing his parents and so when they go to the part about ghost of christmas is yet to come and scrooge is asking about does the boy live they basically just have to take him off their hands and very sadly set him down mm-hmm. and then they walk completely downstage and they start talking and like and that's when scrooge asks, asks the questions like oh does the boy live and the way my sister tells it is like the two actors very quickly and dramatically look directly upstage to look at the puppet and then they turn and they stare directly back downstage and they just look very sad oh. and my cold-hearted hates theater sister is sitting at the back of the theater just bursts out into cackling <laughs> laughter this is the saddest moment of a christmas carol everyone can uh, agree that when tiny tim dies it is the saddest part of it and she is in the back of the theater laughing maniacally yeah but it's to be fair to her <laughs> they basically do like a prolonged double take because if they're yes. the person that puts him down and then they need to walk down stage and look back at him you already know he's there you put him there i can see yes as someone who has worked in the theater i would not have made those choices oh that's not how i would stage that scene um but it is yeah you're right yeah it's just funny the way my sister tells this story about how like what a cold-hearted cruel person she is when she just like could not help herself just died of laughter i I get it i understand there um all right. Well, I, I think imagine it's time for the Creechy Awards. Oh, this is going to be so here. hard to choose. Your top three uh, Creechies, um, basically the, the monsters that you think stood out in all 12 of these movies that we've discussed. Oh, um, so I can choose some of yours? Yeah. Yeah, you can go right. into mine. Um, right. Yeah. Um, who should go first? Do, do you want me to go first? You had to okay, go first. Okay, yeah, you made me you made me go first in the draft. So you go first in the in the Creechy Awards. Okay. Um my bronze Creechy Award goes to Jack Skellington. As I think it's nice. a really distinct uh design. It's very iconic. And 
even the way that he moves is almost spider-like. Like he's so mm -hmm. lanky that it, even just the way that he crouches down, it's it's different than the way that I've seen other skeletons move. And yet it doesn't seem forced or awkward or strange. It just seems to be almost like linked to that identity of that design. And I just think it's such a good uh, creature design that it's kind of been replicated by other people since it's been done. Um, but I think, yeah, just a nice solid um, uh, character design that works really well for the movie. Nice. I did not know that we could choose creatures from creatures we hadn't mentioned yet. <laughs> well, they could be from any of the 12, 12 films. Well, I guess he's, in, I guess, I guess I focused on Oogie because he was the most monstery of the monsters. You're right. Yes. But it, and, and I can see that that would be a standout, but for me, I don't know. I, yeah, oh, I, I agree. You do I not like... have to sell me on why Jack Skellington is awesome. Yeah. It's just such a dynamic, I don't know, Absolutely. character design. Yeah. Yes. I think, and then that's actually inspiring me to choose. I know I mentioned him in part of my honorable mentions, but for very similar reasons, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Very iconic design. Nice. Um, There's never been anything like him before or after. I mean, of course no. there's always, you know, it, it's a bit of the Frankenstein story, but especially I think and there was such the running theme in all of these movies or so many of these movies that we talked about is that very earnest loner mm -hmm. who has something very different about him and that's what makes him an outcast, but he's really just so kind and innocent. There's a vulnerability sweet, to him that doesn't very go vulnerable. Away. I yes. find usually when you've yeah. got those like um you know, doctors, creatures like Frankenstein or whatever, they they quickly turn to like violence or like vengeance or they they use that kind of fear and it like propels them into being more aggressive Yes. where I don't think he ever really gets that. Like he's probably really, start to it's finish. just, it's just really near the end when um, Anthony Michael Hall's character is physically threatening and violent towards Which Winona Ryder's character. Right? Like protective. it's, yeah, like like they, you know, he gets Edward gets chased back up into his mansion, and Anthony Michael Hall goes after him, and Winona Ryder is trying to stop him from hurting Edward Scissorhands, and that's when he slaps her, mm -hmm. and it's really only then that Edward Scissorhands chooses violence, and he does it in a protective instinct. Mm -hmm. But that's really how, really the only time that he chooses violence. Mm. And he does it on, yeah. And and I think the, the point it that just, I'm making is that he does it on, on behalf of someone. Yeah, else. it's never, it's it's not just like backstory for his revenge. It's just, he only does it out of necessity. He never changes yeah. like the core of who he is into yeah. being like a vengeful monster. Um, yeah, well, so far we're very so cool. pro Tim Burton on this list. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I guess I got to go for my silver. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm, this is tough. I have like four and I'm having difficulty narrowing it down to three. Okay, well, I know who I want as my top one. And it was one that you mentioned. Uh-oh. Yeah. Hmm. What, what content? Uh, okay, I, you know what? Oh, I just can't. Okay. 
I'm just going to do it anyway, and then you have to to die on my own sword at the end of this. Um, my silver is going to go to the abominable snow monster. Nice. It's Bumble. Bumble. It's so good. When I think about the monsters that I like, that's probably one of the earliest monsters that I can think of really remembering and having a distinctive mm -hmm. thing. And and the way that they treat him in that movie is is to be quite fearsome. So when you're watching it as a kid, you're like, what is this scary monster? And then he's not as scary. But that really, in a weird way, that's very much my vibe, right? Like, I like the monsters. And I like the monsters to turn out to be kind of, like, friendly or interesting or the opposite of the way that we expect them to be. I think the design is really interesting. The establishing, like, of his character. We've also never had, um, maybe one day we will soon, but we haven't done yetis or abominable no we've never we've never interviewed yetis yeah I know. we've we've talked about it we flirted with it before uh, but we haven't gone for it and i think um that's that's a classic christmas monster too that's that's part yeah. of what i'm thinking about here is the abominable snow monster really represents i think uh, uh an image that we see at this time of year and i think that's why it works so well even more so than a reindeer i would I don't know. It maybe has a longer history, but um, that's just me. I agree. I agree. Cool. Absolutely. All right. That's my silver. Alrighty. My silver medal goes to OG Grinch. Cool. Again, like classic, formidable childhood memory. I can't not remember a time I didn't know about the Grinch. Mm -hmm. Iconic design, colors. That classic story of that misanthropic but misunderstood Christmas hater mm -hmm. sees the error of his ways and manages to cook a goose in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my gold medal was going to be for OG Grinch as well. By oh, draft rules. It can be. By draft <laughs> rules, will you allow me to pick a, another yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, just course. so that we don't insult him as he uh, was featured on last year's Christmas episode and is one of my favorite uh, Christmas monsters of all time. Uh, Krampus was right there, nice, you know, nice. and and I think um, the reason it came up is I haven't yet to see the perfect Krampus in film. Like the Krampus in the movie Krampus is as close as it gets, but I still want to see, you know, we've met Krampus and no one has yet personified right. him properly. Never um, really captured his essence. Yeah, the movie Krampus almost gets there. Uh, in Rare Exports, they have a sequence where like you see it in ice kind of, and there's these giant tusks that you imagine are related, and they even like saw them off and take them with them before they blow them up. Spoiler alert, sorry. Um, <laughs> but like they, um, yeah, they, I just think Krampus has got to be one of my top creatures. Also shout out Krampus. Uh, I hope you're having a great time right now. You know, Krampus. Hope you're putting a lot of sticks in shoes. Yeah. Well, Krampus uh, probably is able to kick back soon. I think Krampus Schnacht is. Oh, yeah, that's true. Krampus Schnacht was earlier this month. Yeah. yeah so now he just true. gets to. Just... Now he's got the rest of the year off. Yeah. Just that's gets great. to kind of shit talk Santa from the side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But I absolutely right. agree with with the original uh, Grinch as well. Um, obviously, just for content, it was going to be my gold. It is. It's just such an iconic image. And that's where I would defer to the cartoon because as much as I love Jim Carrey, the original image of the Grinch is perfect. Um, Plus theme song. 
yeah. very you know very hummable sing-along theme song yeah. yeah and and also like kind of sinister for a children's mm-hmm. image the grinch is a strange protagonist for a children's yes. story <laughs> he's yes. he's not traditionally like he's very much like an anti-hero in that way um I, and I, had you scary. chosen him as your gold winner I, I i would have agreed with you but i i think you will see why i put him as silver and why i have chosen my gold yeah as, i mean i still kind of stand by by you know grinch's gold they're just going by draft rules i want to get krampus sure. in there but um, sure. grampus i hope you don't take that as a slight that that grinch was my you know kind of my gold uh standard there all right my gold the ghosts of a christmas carol nice all five they- of them <laughs> <laughs> well, if we have to choose specifically, I'm going to go with the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Okay. But if we, if I can lump them all in together, I will, I, I will, because it hits all of the things that I love so much, because as you know, I am less of a slasher horror lover and more of a suspenseful, creepy thriller kind of movie it's lover true. so i've tried to really bring the slasher today uh to, to, i mean i brought i brought it a little true, with you know we talked about ginger yeah. dead man we talked about jack frost yeah no but for me especially that that era of writing that you know early victorian era cobblestones and silk caps and things were just and and the victorians too they were very much about celebrating death at christmas that was the time when they would talk about their dead relatives very earnestly mm-hmm. very freely they they didn't see death as um as much of a scary taboo mm-hmm. thing as as we might do now um and i love me some ghosts as you know it was my childhood dream to have a ghost i wanted one so badly mm-hmm. hey there's so, still time Madrin. there's still time it's true and so for me, you know that what? just that really I, I, hits. I'm not trying to say anything, but you never know. You could eventually be a ghost. Oh, I keep telling my husband I'm gonna haunt him so hard. Yeah, that could be yeah. cool. I'm not I'm not saying any, I, I'm not hoping for that to happen at any point, you know. But oh, I I'd be that, into it. That would be kind of, you know, that seems like it could be a real dream for you. So yeah, I I would absolutely be into being a ghost. And so that that's exactly it, right? Is the ghosts of a Christmas carol tick every box of all the things that I love they are when I say make Christmas creepy again that is what I'm talking about yeah just be specific that's what she's talking about that is what <laughs> Nothing I'm talking else. about yeah um yeah what's well, funny that when push ca- when push came to shove you picked ghosts and I picked Krampus um yeah so right? it checks out right it's kind of um, that's you know that's our vibe yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um well um yeah this was a really great way to dig into some films that if now i yeah i'm uh, i'm gonna to... watch so many creepy christmas movies this yeah, week yeah please i've I'm i've stoked. got some from you um i've given some to you to to watch and hopefully our listeners have a couple new movies on their radar um madrin it's time for your favorite feature of the show it's time for a creepy coffee break uh, I'm gonna enjoy my beer. Uh, when while I do that, you can go to www.ko-fi.com/monstrology and give us five bucks or more than five bucks if you want towards our show. 
Um, and uh, we're just going to pitch something that we think uh, might be useful to you. Uh, maybe this uh, holiday season, uh, maybe just for life. What you got, Madrin? Uh, I got, I think, I think early in our episodes, I gave a shout out to this company, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Big Mood Crew. Nice. They make custom tie-dye clothing. Uh, I just picked up, and I'm only going to say this because this episode will air after I have gifted yeah. <laughs> this thing. I have picked up um, a Christmas gift yet again from them. Uh, so yes, they make custom-made tie-dye clothing. Small really business nice. here. Yeah, they're really nice people. And, and like then the clothes are really cool too. And that's the thing is like, you can get ideas from them a bit, you know, if you look at their Instagram, you can get some ideas about some of the stuff that they make. But if there's specifically a thing, a tie-dye specific thing that you want, you can just send them a picture and say, hey, can you make this? And I've never once heard them say no. Wow. So small Toronto business, it's just run by, as far as I know, it's just the one person who's mm-hmm. doing it. Maybe um, with a bit of help from their partner. I'm not sure. Oh, and I saw... Maybe for modeling. I've seen uh, both. Yes, definitely modeling for modeling. <laughs> definitely for modeling. Yeah. And so I think... You can maybe still get your orders in, but hey, you can check out their Instagram. It's Big Mood Crew. Hey, why um, not make it a New Year's gift? You know, start the make new a New Year's gift. Yeah, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. That's right. There's a lot um, of moods around Valentine's Day. For anybody who cares, my birthday's in April. Okay, I'm just saying. And we know Madrin likes uh, Big Mood Crew. Um, I do like Big Mood Crew. My pitch this week, and I also can't remember if I pitched this before, but I don't think so is uh, the game uh, Miles Morales on uh, PlayStation. Nice. It's, um, I, I don't think you can get Miles Morales on PC yet, so it might be PlayStation specific. Um, but the fun thing about it is it takes place, it's basically a bonus game that's built on top of the original Spider-Man game, but with Miles Morales as the character instead of Peter Parker, it's a Spider-Man thing. Um, but it takes place over the holidays. It's winter, and oh. so all of uh, New York, instead of being a summer as it was in the original Spider-Man game is all wintry so it's snowing there's even a scene that takes place at Christmas um, and so it's specifically that time so it's the ultimate way to celebrate the holidays if you're into gaming just swing around as Spider-Man uh, over the holiday season like a Spider-Man and the holiday season well, what's not to like yeah. why not exactly why not his uh, costume is has red in it like Santa that's right why not yeah, he could probably fit down a chimney. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and he brings uh, lots of joy to um, boys and girls around the world. Even if but they mostly know. in New York. But mostly in New York, yeah. Yeah, and into many multiverses. Um, <laughs> yeah. The trailer for the new one, uh, new Spider-Man uh, animated film looks great too. Um, well, Madrin, this is usually when I would uh, kick it to a monster to say, you know, if they had any parting words. Would you like to part any words to our listeners on this Christmas day? Uh, well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Make Christmas creepy again. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, we are excited to be able to do this kind of uh, new format for the show. We'll be back with our classic format in uh, two weeks. And uh, till then, I hope you encounter as many or as few monsters as you would like. Uh, and uh, have a great life. Bye. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Whatever it is that monsters do. Goodbye.
Monstrology is homegrown Canadian content, co-hosted by Will King and Madrin McCabe, edited and produced by Will King, and distributed on the Podbean platform. As a young hatchling podcast, it means a lot to us if you rate, review, and subscribe to Monstrology on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever your monsters are found. Mm-hmm.